This is the Inspiration Science Podcast, your guiding podcast on evolving your own science in life to holistically strive. We believe there is no general way of living and healing, but your universal way. You succeed the highest when you do you. On this podcast, we'll dive into deep conversations on mental health and aligning purpose to business for enlightening harmony in life. I'm your host, Osin June. Welcome everyone back to the Inspiration Science Podcast here with my amazing guest speaker on my show. Her name is Melissa and she's a business and mindset strategist and helps people thrive to build their business and their dream life. She also helps people to overcome this deep inner struggles as well and, you know, create a business that supports the desired lifestyle. So thank you so much, Melissa, for coming on my show. Um, I've been following Melissa, by the way, like for a while and I saw her incredible story personally what she overcame the woman she has became from going from six figure in depth to so much abundance on all levels and that's why thank you so much Melissa for coming how are you doing today oh thank you so much for having me I am honored to be able to share my story and support anyone listening that it may resonate with and um, appreciate you um, hosting me so thank you Thank you so much. To start off the conversation, what would you say is the greatest gift that you have to yourself and for the world? I think my greatest gift is possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I just got emotional saying it. So that's it. Um, You know, there was a time in my life now, if, if you were to see me now, I live in Tulum, Mexico. I own a house here. I have a dog. I travel the world. I have a seven figure business. I'm publishing a book. Life is really good. Wow. But there was a time not that long ago where I didn't even want to live. And I was six figures in debt, as you said. I'm also a bereaved mom. So I was in a really painful grief journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't I didn't think I deserved to live. I felt like I failed my daughter and um I had no money. I just I just didn't I didn't feel like I had anything. And so I think my greatest gift is to show possibility. Um through, you know, I haven't had any quick fixes or fads or I haven't gone viral on social media, like, but through doing the work and through having coaching and coaches and support and continuing to show up every day, um, you truly can create your life to be anything you want it to be, no matter what you've been through. Wow, I love that. Well, it's so powerful. And, you know, for all the listeners who don't know the context, you you touched on the financial situation you were in. And I truly believe that, you know, such financial situation, it can affect our mental well-being, our whole health, like the pressure and things. And, you know, could you shed us a bit more light on how you got from such a situation like the financial aspect, how to, you know, get there. And of course, the loss of your baby, I think that's like, that's a very heavy, you know, emotions. I cannot imagine the pain of that. But could you touch us on like how you kind of, you know, the first steps to get out of this? Yeah, so I mean, the financial part was one step at a time. I actually invested in a coach when I was $100,000 in debt. So I'm like, I need I need support in figuring this out. Whatever I'm doing isn't working and keep trying to do the same thing over and over and it's not going to work. So I invested in a coach and that was um, a huge part of my journey in beginning to understand how to reclaim empowerment through financial growth. Mm -hmm. Um, I also did a lot of healing in my relationship with money. I had always believed you were either a good person or you cared about money. And I was a teacher and I like to help people. And 
I didn't care about money. And that was my story that I had told myself. But that story got me very far in debt, right? $100,000 in debt. And I was burned out and I was exhausted. And when you're burned out, exhausted in, in debt, you actually can't help a whole lot of people. So even though my mission and my goal was to help people, I was actually not taking responsibility for my own energy and finances are an energy source. So um, I think really healing my relationship with finances and understanding where a lot of the old stories came from and then getting a coach to support me in understanding how to build a business. When I first started building my business, I thought it was going to be a side job or a side hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it grew really quickly and I realized what was available. And so then I just went all in on, on the business and that's what I've been doing ever since. Wow. Well, congrats to all these steps. I think it's very inspirational, especially, you know, you mentioned at that point, you feel like it was going nowhere to you. And many people, I think they go through this, you know, internal struggles that you just want to give up and it's really hard to push through. So what were some of the mindsets that you adopt during this hard time to keep going, you know, with the resilience? Because a lot of people, they panic when they're in debt and they wouldn't invest a penny more because they just want to get out of debt. But that's the point. So, you know, what's kind of the mindset you had back then? I think a willingness to risk and a willingness to get messy. Like we can't make massive change if we're not willing to risk. And I knew that I had gotten myself into the situation I was in. So how was I going to get myself out? (laughs) Right? Like, I think sometimes we think that we need to get ourselves out or prove something or this or that, but Um, really the courage is in allowing somebody to take you further than where you are. I think the courage is really, um, you know, if somebody's mastered a skill set or learned something, why spend five years trying to figure it out on your own and struggling? Mm -hmm. Can you just go work with them and learn from them and do it in like one year instead of five? And so I got a lot of coaches. I got a financial coach. I got a grief coach. I got a business coach. And I just became very coachable. Mm -hmm. And learned a lot. Um, And I just kept showing up. And I think when you control what you can control, which is your own energy, your effort, what you're doing, how you're being, um, you know, the results will come. But a lot of people focus on the results. Mm -hmm. And that's where they can get lost. Yeah. Nice. And, you know, in terms of like the whole thing, you mentioned that when people focus only on the outcome results, they can get lost. Could you shed us a bit more context to that? What you mean by that sentence? Yeah, I see it all the time. Like, I mean, if I knew I was going to build a seven figure business, I would have invested that money when I was in debt. No problem. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't guaranteed. So I showed up really powerfully and I attached to the process. Now I see a lot of times people are attached to a result. It could be in a relationship, like this has to work, this has to work, this has to work. And they get so attached to this was supposed to work, this has to work, this should work, that they get lost. Are, are they even happy? Mm-hmm. Are you growing together anymore? Have you grown, grown apart? Is that okay? Um, sometimes it's in business, like I, I need money. Someone has to buy, someone has to buy, someone has to buy. Mm-hmm. Can you even serve that person? Are you clear in your messaging? Like, do you know how you can help them? Mm-hmm. And we get so lost when we're only looking at the result. Or many times, particularly in business, we don't identify the things that aren't working when the result isn't there. So we just look at the result and we're like, it's not there. I should quit. I can't do this. So-and-so was right. You know, my ex was right. My cousin was right. I can't do this. But we're actually not looking at the process and maybe what's just not working in the process that if we fix that 
And that's why I use a lot of data. If we fix that, the result will come. But many times when we only look at the result, we just quit because the result isn't there. Yeah. No, but I think that's a, such a great topic to touch on because especially like I feel like all people struggle with it, but especially entrepreneurs, you know, like they're very overly ambitious and they're very results driven, very outcome driven, which is a good thing. But at the same yeah. time, if we don't surrender to the process and don't take the step by step and get in the flow state, you know, kind of this just embodiment as well. And I think it's also interesting to shed the light on the whole masculine feminine energy. You know, like I feel a lot of women, they try to run businesses like guys. You're like, it's all about doing this, the plan, this is strategy, you need to do so many outreaches. And women are like, woo, we need to flow this intuition and things. And they don't care about the KPIs and tracking the systems. So it's too much, you know, like people go to one extreme to the other. And I'm curious to know, like, how was your journey and experiences in that between like balancing those both energies and things? Yeah. So I think it's really important to balance both in your business. Now I step into my masculine a lot more in my business than I do in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember when you're choosing to run a business, it's like choosing to have a child. It's not just what you want to do. Mm -hmm. It's what does that child need? What does that business need? Mm -hmm. And so I love flow, but I also believe that KPIs and data and strategy is really important. And when we have KPIs, data, and strategy, we actually have more room to flow. Otherwise, sometimes when we're just in our feminine flow only without structure, we can be really scattered. Mm -hmm. And it's like we wake up on any given day, we're like, what do I feel like doing today? But if you're raising a child, you're not going to wake up and say, what do I feel like doing for my child today? Mm -hmm. Right? You got to look at what does my child need? And then how from what my child needs do I bring my you know, um, feminine, my authenticity, my loving, my caressing. And so I see this a lot. I think most people are either two in the masculine or two in the feminine, right? You see that masculine dominated energy of the push, the force, the go, the go, the go. And you see the feminine of like, what do I want to do? This, I don't, this doesn't call to me. And I get all that mm -hmm. because that's who I am actually more in my personal life. I'm much more like, what do I feel like doing today? What does my, how does my body want to move? Right. Mm -hmm. But I can do that in my personal life because it's just, I'm responsible to me. But when you're responsible to your business, you realize it's actually not about you. Yeah. And so I really, everything I coach and teach is built on the foundation of the two blending and balancing the masculine and the feminine. Yeah, that, that that's really nice, you know, that you can harmonize both of the energies. There are so many like people as like, especially women, I feel like they're either too much in their masculine, as you mentioned, they're like trying to run their businesses like guys. And there are also a lot of women, they're very, you know, intuitive flow without all the things. So, you know, like, do you have like an example how, you know, like something that you would share to someone who is let's say too much in their feminine and lacks all the system structure. I feel like a lot of women struggle with that part. Yeah. What would you tell them? Yeah. Well, I would say to get support and building that in, right. Get support and building that in, like work with someone or study or research to understand the structure. But what I do personally is every month I map out a roadmap for myself or for my clients. And it's for all five aspects of the business. It's what are our goals for product, operations, finance, sales, and marketing. And then I create the roadmap for the entire month in advance. So I know what has to be done by when. 
So if I get up one day and I don't feel like doing it, I don't necessarily have to do it, but I get to know when it has to be done by, right? Mm -hmm. And then you collect data because when we're often in our feminine, we can be very reactionary and emotional too, right? And we might be like, this isn't working. Like this is, I shouldn't be doing that. But the data will actually show you that it is working and you're right on track, right? And so the data actually takes out of the emotion so that we're not making decisions for the business from emotion, but that we're doing our marketing, our creating, our coaching, our connecting with the emotion and with the feminine, but not business strategy and decision-making. That's really got to be data-driven in the masculine. And that's one of the number one things I see missing in most business models. Yeah. Wow. I, I like that you shed the light on that. So would you say in terms of your decision-making, because we know as an entrepreneur, like decision-making is such an important skill also in personal life for non-entrepreneurs. And most of the time, you know, we, it's about whether it's A or B, I believe it's really important about having the self-trust, whether it's A or B to adapt, to own the decision and move forward. Uh, what are for you, you know, like some of the baselines that helps you in decision-making, you know, some people talk about values, the goals, short-term, long-term, the vision, other people say intuition, mind, brain, like there's so many angles to that. But when you have really hard decisions, like what's kind of the thing that happens in you to, you know, have, you know, to make these decisions? So I, I always go back to data. So if somebody says like, you know, I think we should do more of this type of a post, I'll look at, okay, what does the data show? What's working well, mm -hmm. right? Um, or if somebody says, I think that, you know, I don't know, it could be, it really could be anything. I might have a client that says, um, I'm not, I'm, my sales isn't working. And we'll look at what's well, the data. Mm -hmm. And the data shows that their book calls are really high, but their show up rate is really low. So therefore their, sh their sales conversions are low. Mm -hmm. But the issue isn't actually that they're bad at sales. There's some disconnect between the book call and the show up rate. So now we use data to focus on how do we improve the show up rate? What do we do there? Mm -hmm. So the data shows you like where the hole is or where the gap is. And then that allows you to put your time and your strategy there. Um, so you're not just like, you know, because somebody could book 10 calls and if only four people show up and only and two convert, they're going to be thinking, um, well, I only got two sales. I'm terrible at sales, mm -hmm. but really they just got to really work on their show up rate, which could be reminders. It could be calendar link. It could be, are you going to spam? Right. Yeah. So all these different ways to improve the show up rate. And then you look to see how your sales change. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I think it's very important. And I love that you mentioned the power of data, which, you know, tracking and things can be a really game changer in terms of the business, the way you go about it. You know, another thing I would be curious on is that, you know, to create the dream life that someone wants, there's a lot of shame and fear around that, why people don't take the action. What would you say is one of the biggest fears or the one of the most boldest things you've ever done in your business and life? Because there are probably a lot of fears that you also embrace. Oh. Could you share with us some of your experiences there? So many fears. Anyone listening, I still get scared. Um, I think fear is healthy. I think it's, I don't ever, if you're not scared, you're playing small. Fear mm. is being fearless isn't going to happen. It's having courage through the fear. So instead of waiting to be fearless, can we look at how can I create courage? 
Um, I think the people you surround yourself with are so important. So, so, so important. Are they in fear conversations? If they are, you're going to be in a fear conversation. So, you know, one is going to be the mindset around it and who you're surrounding yourself with. And then the other is like, take small action through it because the only way to get through the fear is to take action through it. Like things, I was so afraid when I started, I was so afraid it wasn't going to work. I was, and some of my, some of my things didn't work. I had to pivot. Um, I was so afraid. My biggest fear for me personally was that people were going to think I was happy and like, okay, that my daughter died. And like, if they saw me happy and they saw me doing all this, they were going to say like, wow, she doesn't even care about her daughter who died. Mm -hmm. And I thought I had to just constantly be grieving and in pain and miserable. That was a massive fear for me. And the first couple of times I posted on social media, I took it down. I was like, no one can see that. Oh my God, no, I'm smiling, right? Like God forbid I smile. And so it took some time and it took coaching. I'll always come back to coaching. It took a lot of coaching to be able to work through it. But um, now I've worked through it. And what I see is that I get to shine my daughter's light in the work that I do. And had I let the fear stop me, her light wouldn't be shining like it is right now. So, so often we get to give ourselves time to work through the fear mm -hmm. and to realize that there's something else available on the other side. I always say, what else could be true? When my clients go to like everything that's going to go wrong, what else could be true? Right. What could go right? Because law of attraction, whatever you focus on is probably going to happen. Yeah. So can we focus on what's going to go right or what could go right or what might be amazing or what might be possible and go from there? Wow, that's so beautiful. And, you know, like, I mean, for many people who haven't gone through the exact experiences, like losing their daughter, I think, you know, people just don't get it the same way that you do it because with all the wicked emotions and the layers around it. It's just, you know, crazy, all the things. And it's definitely like messy as well, the whole healing process. But, you know, like, what were just some of the things that you did or released in order to be where you're at right now in peace because you know the pain the loss the thing and you mentioned you felt like you couldn't be happy you know in front of people because you lost your daughter so what were some of the things you really had to change and heal and what has helped you definitely shame and guilt mm -hmm. shame guilt regret the what if um i don't want to be like a broken record but coaches therapists um, I did, you know, I did, I also think working on your body, I worked on uh, holistic health, I really began taking care of my gut health and my energy levels so that like I could even, because if your gut health isn't going well, or your holistic health, like your brain functioning is going to be way off, your emotions are going to be way off. So I worked on my body and my own health, I worked on my spirituality, I did a lot of yoga. Um, I got certified in Reiki, I got certified in yoga. So I did a lot of physical healing modalities, whether it was for my gut health and my insides or my body. Um, so a lot of the physical healing was really important in the beginning. Um, and then beginning to work in the mind and then really begin working more spiritually and energetically um, and stuff that's like, you know, way out there. But I mean, I've traveled, I've traveled and worked with grief speakers. I 
did worked with healers in Peru. I've worked with healers here in Mexico. I've got still got three coaches. So um, mm-hmm. I've just always been open to what might help, what might support. Yeah. And giving it the chance to do that instead of this idea of I've got to figure it out my own or I have to feel like this forever because I feel this way now. Like nothing is permanent. And that was a lesson I learned from my daughter, Layden. Like nothing is permanent. She wasn't permanent. And we think that a relationship or a person or an experience is permanent. And for better or for worse, it's not. The things that are so amazing aren't always going to be permanent. Most they're not. And the things that are challenging, it's not going to be permanent. And that's a relief, right? Yeah. Wow. And, you know, what, what would you say after the whole experience with your daughter and the loss? Like, obviously, a lot of things internally happened for you. How did your life later change after that incident? Because I think it had an impact on your purpose as well to be the light oh, for other moms who face a similar situation like this. So could you, you know, give us a little bit of the contrasting story what happened later? Yeah, so... When I realized, so my daughter's case was termed a catastrophe. She was um, four months old when she passed. And the hospital literally said her case was a catastrophe, which if anyone who works in a hospital is listening, don't ever tell a parent that their child's case is a catastrophe. <laughs> but um, I kept thinking this shouldn't have happened. This shouldn't. This isn't how it was supposed to go. This shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. And it really helped me examine my relationship with should. And I realized how much of my life I was living because I thought that's what I should do. That's the job I should be in. That's where I should live. That's the relationship I should do. This is what everyone does. So it's what I should do. Um, And I realized after my daughter Layden died and nothing made sense that, like, screw the word should. What does should even mean? Mm -hmm. And what do I want to create? And how do I want to feel? And then the other big thing that I learned from my daughter was... um, you know, I think a lot of us walk around with a very subconscious, we're not aware of it, but a levels of entitlement. And we don't realize how worthy we are. So I wasn't valuing my worthiness. But I was kind of had the subconscious entitlement, like, um, like I was entitled to a healthy child. Mm-hmm. And so I had this realization of like, wow, you're walking around like you were entitled to a healthy child. Like this was taken from you. Like you're in, you're worthy of a healthy child. You can want a healthy child. You can be sad that your daughter died, but you weren't entitled to anything. And so can you actually begin to see what you're worthy of? And can you begin to see what a gift it was that you had that time with her because you weren't entitled to it? Some people aren't even aren't able to have children. Some people never experienced that. I was able to. And so I shifted into massive gratitude in my healing journey. And then I realized I'm not entitled to anything in my life. Why do I keep thinking I am? So what am I going to create? What am I going to work for? What am I going to earn? And that's when I started going into entrepreneurship full time of like, I'm not entitled to this business just running because I want it to. People aren't going to work. I started as a health and a mindset coach. People aren't just going to pay me because I'm good at mindset or I'm good at health. Like I'm not entitled to that. How am I going to create this? And so I think moving from like, well, it's just going to happen because I want it to, or I'm manifesting it. And I'm a big manifester, but manifesting also comes with action. Mm-hmm. Otherwise the universe doesn't respond. It doesn't take you seriously. So I think those were like the, the two main things um, for me, but, you know, definitely recognizing I'm not entitled to anything. So what am I going to be in responsibility for? And what am I going to create? Wow. I love that. It also has a lot to do with 
leadership i would say and then like the way you take full ownership of all the results because i think so many people they they have this mindset like i worked so hard i did everything i could and yet i don't have the results i don't have the success i desire and and then they kind of drop it and you know like the inspiration and stuff go away as well so you know in, in your journey like from being in depth and from being in that grief you hiring coaches mentors that brought you to new levels you know what were some of the other things that you know like let's say your first breakthroughs that you had after you hired because many people i feel like they know they're supposed to do something different but when you're in that situation you know all the fears hit in doubts hit in the what ifs and things so you know you kept going so what was for you the first breakthrough that you actually um had after investing into mentors coaches well, I think feeling my worthiness, my value. Mm-hmm. We're really quick to invest in designer clothing or bags or vacations or trips or dinners. But that was the first time I invested in myself. Mm-hmm. And when I'm saying like I'm worthy of investing in myself and I'm taking a bet, I'm betting on me, it changed a lot. Right? I began to show up differently. I was in more responsibility. And so that was the biggest thing that changed. And then, of course, you learn different things in every course. But honestly, what matters more to me was that I'm I'm willing to invest in myself and my dreams. And I'm doing it. And when you actually put money and invest in what you're saying you want, you show up differently. Yeah, I love that. Well, congrats for investing into yourself and doing all of these things. I kind of realized in my own journey that... You know, sometimes I thought that I was valuing myself, but my results and my actions showed differently. And yeah. I feel the more self-worthiness I had about myself and more value, it's like you have better relationships, you make more money, you have better health because that's like the whole self-worthiness. I feel like at the core of everything. And I also feel a lot of things in life, it kind of boils down to the shame. We're always ashamed of something. The overwhelm, that is a different word, like for the fear. It always leads back to shame. And, you know, one of the things I feel, especially with women, are like they are struggling with confidence, with the way they look, with the way they appear. They don't feel they deserve it. A lot of people feel like they deserve only struggles. I need sufferings. And what are some of the things that you would say to people or that has helped you to increase your self-worthiness? Because people know they're supposed to look after their health. They know they, you know, they should or they can charge more money because of the transformation they can deliver, but they still don't feel worthy of the good vacation. They don't feel worth of a good relationship because they went through abusive and toxic ones. So what is the things deep down in you that has helped you to increase that self-worthiness? I mean, I think one, it's how you treat yourself. You can't expect anyone to treat you better than you treat yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't expect anyone to love you more than you love yourself. Right? Because it's it's law of attraction. It's a worthiness thing. Now, people might be infatuated or care about you. But ultimately, you are constantly training yourself and other people around you how worthy you are. So you have to know and choose every day, whether it's affirmations, whether it's a meditation, whether it's alone time, whether it's having something that's really good for your body or moving your body in a way that feels really good. But like, how are you taking care of you and valuing you? Um, I think putting up boundaries and being able to say no. And if people are offended by your boundaries, like that's not your problem, that's theirs. Starting with these things and like boundaries is a huge act of self-worth. 
Um, and then, you know, I think when it comes to charging an investment, you've got to know the value of what you are offering and also like embody it. So I have no problem charging what I'm charging because I invest more than I charge. Yeah. And so if I'm fully embodied and I'm confident in what I can give to somebody, I have no problem. If they don't want to work with me, they're not my person. Mm -hmm. And if they say, no, I just trust they're not meant for me or they're not ready yet. Right. And like, that's it. And so I think being in full trust and detaching from the result, I think really, I mean, as we're talking it through, really untangling your worthiness from the result. Mm -hmm. Because you're worthy just by your being. Yeah. Now, are you in alignment and are you in integrity? Are you in authenticity? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you walking the walk? Right. Are you investing? Great. Then like, then you're fully embodied and in integrity and you stand in your worth. And if someone can't meet you there, that's okay because somebody else will. And I always say, if you let somebody who can't meet you at your full worth, whether it's a relationship or whether it's business, take up space, you're blocking the person that can fully value you. You're blocking them. I like that. Yeah, you know, I I think it's such a great way to see that because a lot of people, they're like halfway in somewhere, you know, whether it's a halfway commitment, halfway kind of taking the place, but not quite. And then it's blocking, as you mentioned, instead of getting out of of the way or, you know, all of these things to let go a lot to rise. But I think it's a great aspect. And thank you so much for sharing your journey so far. And yeah, to wrap up all the podcasts, you know, our um, talk as well. What would you say is your life motto? Do you have any like quote or inspirational life motto that, you know, just really inspires you daily? Well, I just always come back to it's really simple. Nothing changes if nothing changes. So what am I willing to change today to get the results that I want? Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. That's really powerful. And where can the audience best connect with you as well as potentially work with you? Absolutely. So I'm not sure when this comes out, but I'm running a free challenge um, March 27th. It's a five-day free challenge. You're welcome to join if you're building your business. You can find me on Instagram, Melissa Dugalecki, um, or at melissadugalecki.com. But Instagram is probably the best way to find me. If you just put in Melissa DLU, I'm like the only one that pops up. So amazing. Well, I'm going to tag your socials below. And also for all the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. And, you know, let me and Melissa know what were your key takeaways of this episode? What were your realizations? Um, Tag us also in the story to reshare that if that was valuable for you. And thank you so much, Melissa, for, you know, taking your time, sharing your wisdom, and especially embodying that part. I think it's one of the fastest way to empower people. And I see that you do that daily with helping other women, moms who have the same situation, you know, losing their child, but still being able to get out of it financially, emotionally, spiritually, and the power of coaches and mentorship that we touched on. So thanks for being that inspiration. And I speak to you very soon again. Sounds great. Thank you. 
Okay, beautiful souls, thank you so much for taking time out of your day life to untangle wisdom and abundance on all levels. If you feel connection to this audio experience, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Your Universal Way, and my personal Instagram, Osinjun, O-C-C-I-N-J-U-N. And always remember, there is no right or wrong way, just your universal way. See you next time.